0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, November 11th, 2022. Have you ever killed an animal? I'm guessing being the pastor of a church in Idaho, where I know many people in our church are involved or interested in farming, ranching, hunting, fishing, uh, the answer for many of you may be yes. Uh, But for many of you, that may be a foreign thing, or even those of you that have killed an animal, it might not be a regular thing. But whether you've killed an animal or not, one thing that is more unfamiliar to us is the act of sacrificing. An animal. Sacrificing, slaughtering an animal for uh, religious purposes. That is something that is foreign to most of us in our way of life, and especially in our religious worship. That is not something we have done for many of us. uh, That's not even something we've, with our own eyes, seen done but we need to remember as we read the book of Hebrews, how common that was. Uh, Sacrifices were were, were what they had known. And also these sacrifices revolved around a place. And if you've read the Bible, you may be familiar with this place, the temple, or first it was the tabernacle and the temple even has the same rooms, the same things that the tabernacle had, just in a more permanent setup. And today we're going to learn more about what Christ did and the effect that should have for us, even as we think through past, present, and future. Hebrews chapter nine starts with a discussion really, um, of the tabernacle and then these, uh, even these places were then enshrined in the temple. But if you've uh, seen a diagram of the tabernacle or the temple, maybe if you've got a good study Bible, you, you, you see that maybe even uh, you, you've gone to something where they, they've set up a model, a, a two-scale um, replica of the tabernacle according to the Old Testament. And you've been able to go in and even walk through it and see what it was like. Maybe you're familiar with that, but you'll remember there were two rooms in the tabernacle. And then in the temple, the first was called the holy place. And it says right here in verse two, there was the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence, right? Those were things that were there in that first room. Room, and then there was a curtain or a veil, and then you would go from the holy place into the most holy place. And, and there we see the, the Ark of the Covenant um, is there in the holy place. And, and what it talks about later is that that second place, uh, the high priest would only go once a year and he would bring blood, which he would offer, it says in verse seven, for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. Verse 8 says, by this the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy place is places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. But then it starts to talk about Christ. It talks about him appearing as a high priest of the good things that have come. And really how what we see on earth is just a a shadow and a symbol of what's going on in heaven and Christ he is the sacrifice it talks about his blood and really it's getting at his death there. Uh, Not just that he bled but that he was a sacrifice that he gave his life for us. And we start to get to uh, really the punchline of a lot of this in verse 23. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy place. Places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So there it talks about the sacrifice of Christ. It's not something that had happened before. It's not something that continues to happen. He offered himself as a sacrifice once for And that's the reality I want you to meditate on. Jesus Christ suffered and died. He sacrificed himself. It says to put away sin once for all. And again, some of this is very unfamiliar to us. We don't think of sacrifices. We don't think of the temple or the tabernacle. Some of this is very familiar to us. Yep, Christ died for my sins. I knew that. Stop and wonder today at really the reality and the power of the truth that Jesus Christ offered himself as a sacrifice to put away sins once for all. And I want you to think about that in terms of past, present, and future. Past, even that idea of putting away sins. Guess what? All of us have in our past sins. And let's put sins in the plural, because we've got lots of sins in our past. We have egregious sins in our past. And some of us are like, oh yeah. And we think of things that even the world thinks of as egregious. Some of us think, well, you know, I was kind of a good kid. No, there's egregious sin involved in the heart of every unbeliever. The pride even that we would supplant God, right? That's what led us into this mess. Even that thought that we want to be like God, all sin is egregious. And that is in our past. But guess what? It is put away. Uh, he has put away sins. Even think of some of the Old Testament imagery that our sin has been thrown into the deepest ocean or our sins are forgotten. Think of Colossians. Our sins are nailed to the cross. Do you believe that? Do you believe, hey, those sins in your past, you don't need to carry around that guilt, that shame anymore because Jesus Christ died to put it away once and for all. That's a good thing. And now think of how that impacts our present. Um, We just hinted on that. Our present, we, we shouldn't live lives characterized by guilt and shame if we are repentant believers because our sin has been put away and forgiven. And also, there's not so much on this in chapter nine of Hebrews, but think of some truths we've already seen, even with this reality of Jesus being our great high priest. Because of that, we can go to him for help and find mercy and grace in the time of need. Do you believe that today for the present, that no matter what you're going through, you have a great high priest that you can go to and go through to God and you can get grace mercy, and help when you need it. That's a great thing that we should celebrate today. And also, I want you to think about how this affects the future. Consider the last two verses of Hebrews 9. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Do you believe your high priest is coming back? Bible makes it clear. He is. Are you eagerly waiting for him? Just think about that today. Has that thought even crossed your mind today? Jesus is coming back. I can't wait. Or are you just thinking about what you've got to do today? Or it's Friday. Are you saying, I can't wait for the weekend and some of the plans that you have? We should be eagerly waiting for the return of our king, our priest, the one who has died once for all to put away our sins. So there in Hebrews, even though we're dealing with sacrifices and tabernacles and temples and and rooms in which we've never been, I hope the reality that Christ has died once for all for our sins affect us as we think about past, present, and future today. Uh, Let's go even deeper into the past today to our Old Testament reading where we're going to look at 2 Kings 24 and 25 and 2 Chronicles 36. Now we've read Jeremiah's account of the fall of Jerusalem, and now we're getting to that in these more historical books, even though, uh, history wasn't one of the categories the Hebrews had in their scriptures. It was the law, the prophets and the writings. And in the Hebrew old Testament, again, it's the same material that we have in, in the old Testament you're holding in your hand or pulling up on your phone right now, uh, 2 Kings was a part of the prophets, even consider where does 2 Kings start? Well, with Elijah and Elisha, the prophets, Uh, and 2 Chronicles was a part of the writings. And now we finish both of these books today, and they end on the note of the fall of Jerusalem. Uh, Chapter 24 in 2 Kings brings us through some of those last Uh, kings that are there. Uh, And even during the reign of Jehoiachin, Jerusalem is captured by Nebuchadnezzar. So note that uh, there wasn't just one time Nebuchadnezzar shows up in Jerusalem. Apparently we see him capture Jerusalem during the time of Jehoiachin, but then Zedekiah who becomes king, he rebels against the king of Babylon. And that's what leads ultimately to the destruction of of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple. And then remember yesterday when we read in Jeremiah that Gedaliah was made governor and that people tried to warn him, hey, this guy is coming to kill you. And I said, hey, uh, it doesn't tell us what happens today, but the theme is people don't listen. Do you think Gedaliah is going to listen? No. Well, today you you see what happens. They do come and kill Gedaliah and the people then flee to Egypt. And you're going to see more in Jeremiah how that is Uh, Not what Jeremiah was telling them to do. So it's going to be more not listening. Both of these books end on uh, somewhat positive notes. Uh, Second Kings ends on the note of Jehoiachin being released from prison and, and even being given a spot at the king's table there in Babylon. But then as we go to Second Chronicles and we look at the uh, last chapter there, it takes us even to uh, the end kind of of the exile. It, it describes the last days in Judah after King Josiah. And uh, we see these same kings and how uh, we see some connection with Jeremiah with Zedekiah in verse 12. It says, he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, his God. He did not humble himself before Jeremiah, the prophet who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. And so even there, one lesson I want you to think through today is uh, one theme we should see in Jeremiah and here in second Chronicles is people didn't listen and it had consequences. The same is true for you. If you don't listen to God, it's going to have consequences. And maybe there's some of you today that there's something in your life that you know shouldn't be there. And maybe even you're being warned about it by um, by the scriptures, by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, or perhaps even there's a friend who is talking to you about something, Uh don't disregard that. Don't follow the example of Zedekiah, lest you experience uh, really the judgment of God in some way and the consequences for failing to listen to God. Uh, but then look at the very end of Second Chronicles, we see the proclamation of Cyrus. Again, notice it credits Jeremiah with this prophecy that they, they would come back from the exile, and that's what's even going to lead us. Uh, we'll see more of that, especially in the book of Ezra, as we look at some of the books that happen post exile, but we're going to still need to finish up Jeremiah and and look at some of the prophets during the exile before we get to that point. But second Chronicles kind of points us towards that. We know that's going to be coming as we continue to read through and really finish up over the next month and a half, the old Testament. But today, remember Jesus Christ died once for all to put away sins. Let that affect how you view both or all of the past, present and future today.